Good morning. All right, let's give the Lord a hand, huh? Isn't he good? Hasn't he been good to you all week long? God may not always give us what we want, but he always gives us what we need. And we are so grateful. God, we just come to you today with hungry hearts, God. We come with, with a heart, God, that we just, we want to meet you, God, today. We are not interested, God, in having some just religious service or going through some routine or just do it because we've always done it, God. We have come to meet you, God. We pray, Holy Spirit, that your life-breathing, life-giving passion that rose Jesus from the dead will fill our church, God, fill our hearts, that our community would be different. We are looking, God, for an awakening to the gospel. We are looking for change in our society, God, one by one, one life at a time. God, you changed us, and we believe you can change anyway. If you can change us, Lord, you can change someone else out there in our life that's just really hard, really difficult, really that fallow ground that's just not there in their hearts. We believe you can do the impossible. We believe in miracles. We believe, God, even in this moment, you can do something life transformational. We are believing that, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. amen. All right, all right. Do you believe that Jesus rose again? I hope so, and if you're here and maybe just checking out church or coming back to God or whatever, if you're checking us out online, we are so, so glad wherever you are on the continuum of the journey with God, if it's maybe just not believing or just kind of believing or trying to figure it all out or you are passionately with God, I just want to say I am so, so glad on behalf of our family that you are here. A couple things before we get into the message today. What if, what if we really lived out the kingdom. Well, we're going to talk about that. Before we do that, um, I want to share with you a couple of exciting things um, that are happening here quickly. Um, on October 22nd, it's a Saturday at 10 a.m., if you have children or you have nieces, nephews, grandchildren, friends from the soccer field, friends from uh, football, just uh, school, we, we want to pack this place with children. Jenna Elira, she is a nationally known children's worship leader is going to be here it's 22nd of October it's a Saturday it's a free worship concert for kids so we really not only want to invite you to be here but we want to encourage you to invite someone else it's just going to be an awesome time we believe that the child's heart is sensitive to God and we believe every child should have an opportunity to know the love of God and so that's why we do this so we're all in we want you to be there also on Fall Fest October 30th here on a Sunday, it's our uh, once uh, a year we do this huge just welcome back after school and uh, uh, I'm sorry, summer starting and we want to encourage you to invite some friends for Fall Fest. Fall Fest is just worship. After the services, we have all kinds of stuff for kids, food, hangout time, socializing and this is a wonderful opportunity for you to bring someone maybe who's far away from God or far away from church or just feels disconnected. We really want to just have opportunity to have some extra time to love people. So that's Fall Fest. And also, we need team members. We need helpers. We need people to say, hey, I'll get involved. I'll help you. And you can get information about that at Connection Point with Pastor Robert after the service is over. You can also check us out online and just check off there. I want to be a team member for Fall Fest on that Sunday. Amen? All right. What if we really lived out what Jesus told us to do? I just want to take a second here and just kind of just leave my notes. I have a message prepared um, all week. I want to thank Pastor Zach. Last week did a phenomenal job of bringing the word for us. 
But before we read the word in Luke 13, we're going to start in verse 22. I just want to take a few moments just to share with you my heart. When, when God uh, opened up an opportunity for me to step in to uh, lead uh, MVCC, um, I just had this conviction in my heart that, God, I cannot do this without you. I cannot do this, Lord, unless I'm connected to you. And so, Lord, the Lord really put on my heart that prayer, unless we are praying church, unless we are praying believers, unless we connect to the power of the Holy Spirit, unless we connect with God and submit to Him, and, and not, not this, well, I can do this, God, but God, I can't do this without you. I need you, Lord. And that's, that's where it's. God start to, put, start to put on my heart that um, prayer for the city, not just for MVCC, for us to really grow here in the Lord and to bring people to a saving faith of Jesus. But, but to really pray for the city of Mission Viejo and the surrounding cities. And so as we began to do that, I will just tell you, there was like an uphill battle. You would think that, you know, gathering pastors from other churches together and trying to really see the city the way God sees the city and see people the way God sees people, you would think there would be a flocking to that. But it's interesting how when you step out and do something that God has told you to do. The enemy is right there on your tail. He's going to try and do everything he can do to stop whatever God has put in your heart. And we're experiencing some of that. And whenever I get hit with something, feel like the enemy is after me, I just want to go that much harder. I just, Lord, you're in this. I believe you've given me this, God. So um, is that all you got, devil? Because if that's all you got, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I really believe that. So we just kept striving and pushing in and pressing in and believing that, God, you want to do something so dynamic here in our area, and it looks like heaven on earth. It it looks like your kingdom. And so I'm so glad because Pastor Zach kind of opened up the series for us, and what does the word say about what the kingdom really looks like? The kingdom is not flashy buildings and cathedrals and all those things that we kind of think of as religion. But that the kingdom of God looks like people who look like Jesus. People who are imitating the King of kings and Lord of lords. That means we are humble. We are meek. We are servants. We are convicted because God has so loved us that we want other people to experience the love of God. And so we're going to live our way, our life in such a way that, that people see Jesus Christ. That is our hope. That is our passion for you. If you are a follower of Christ here, you're watching us online and you've given your life to Jesus, our hope, our passion is to make disciples who make disciples. We're not interested in just bringing people in one service and out and we kind of just had an hour and five minutes together and we just kind of moved people in and out without life uh, uh, changed. We want transformation. We want life change in you. And, And I say all that to say this, that I think sometimes we have made a distinction or a delineation between pastors and teachers and church leaders and and the rest of us. Would you agree? Well, we're really kind of sleepy this morning. Are you you with me today? I walked into an elevator. As I was walking into an elevator in a particular establishment, I was running up and down trying to get ice because the ice machine didn't work on the second floor. And I walked into the elevator. There was a priest there. And a priest was in this elevator with a white collar on. And I will tell you, oh, I better be careful of what I say. Put my hands in my pockets, stand straight, don't move. I just kind of felt like, you know, I think kind of we do that with pastors and teachers. We think that those folks came out of the womb called, anointed, appointed of God and holy life. And we just wake up and, oh, 
Every morning is with God and we just walk in the power of God. We never experience temptation or discouragement or depression or anxiety. And I just want to say that it's so important for us to understand the kingdom principles that God has called us to. He's called people to serve him. You. He has called you. And I want to introduce you to some folks today before we get into the text that are dear to my heart, are part of our team here at MVCC, who are just like the rest of us. I just want to put away this disnomer that, that, well, we're just, you know, kind of different than everybody else because we went to school to be a pastor, or we took some training, or we did some internships, or... It's, it's much different than that. Let me introduce you to Brian, Pastor Brian. He's our executive pastor here. And uh, Pastor Brian, uh, when he was a teenager, grew up here in Mission Viejo, right kind of behind the building here in uh, the, the homes right here in Mission Viejo. Went to high school, just kind of doing his thing, but he was lost. He recognized it was kind of a lostness. So he met this girl named Amy, and they started dating. Amy was a Christian. She was a follower of Christ. And she says, Brian, I really want you to come to church with me. So he says, yeah, I'll go to church. I got the girlfriend. Now I'll go to church with the girlfriend. So he goes to church. Long story short is he hears the gospel. He sees the gospel in other people, and he gets saved. During that time, in his uh, early years of marriage, he worked for the Saddleback Valley School District in child care opportunities called TLC. You might be aware of it here in the South County area. Really good at it. He ran the whole program. He's uh, just got a lot of vision. He's got a lot of uh, uh, organizational management skills. And so during that time, when he got saved, he started volunteering at his church over here in RSM in children's ministry because he has a gift with children. So he's volunteering. I just want you to key in on this. Here's a regular guy who now got saved and now he's jumping in and he's serving. You with me? During that time of serving... God is just tugging on his heart. There's something more I have for you, Brian. I am standing in the airport at LAX, and uh, we had uh, lost one of our uh, team members here uh, who moved out of state, and so I was looking for an executive pastor. So I had called a friend of mine, and in that conversation, he says, you need to call this guy Brian Eves. I said, who's Brian Eves? You just need to call him. As soon as you get off this phone call, wherever you are at, I said, dude, I'm standing in the airport. As soon as we get off this phone call, I need you to promise me you're going to call Brian as soon as possible. So I did what a good soldier would do. I called Brian right away. I said, Brian, my name's Mike. I'm over at MVCC. I want to talk to you about a position that's open at MVCC. Would you be interested? And his initial response was, yeah, no, yeah, I don't know. I got a job. I got a pension. I got retirement. I got my place. I'm leading the entire school district of all the after-school daycare programs. And said, so, yeah, but I'll meet with you. I said, well, dude, just come. It's a free lunch. So we took him out to lunch, and we talked to him about this position that opened. And as he began to see that God was working in this moment, he had no idea that God was going to call him to full-time ministry, to serve him full-time. Now, at the end of the day, when he said, yes, I'll come serve on the team, things didn't make sense to him to start working in full-time ministry. He had a good-paying job. He had full pension. He had retirement. He had a cush. Everybody just absolutely respected him. He had all these programs running throughout South County. It didn't make sense to get into full-time kingdom work. I want you to see this with me, that Brian is just a regular guy who God tugged on his heart. Not only do I want you to serve you here, but I want you to serve all the way in, man, with everything And he said yes, and I'm so glad that he said yes, and he is now a full-time pastor. But Brian is just a regular guy like us. You with me? Living for the kingdom. It's not a job. It's not a paycheck. He's living for the kingdom. I want to introduce you to another guy named Scott. 
Scott grew up in the church. He grew up with faith. He had really godly parents. He grew up with values and, and, and morals. And, and most of all, the word of God was in his heart as a kid because he had parents who loved God. During his college age years, when he accepted Christ as a child, he continued to go to church. And during the college age years, he was trying to figure out, what am I supposed to do vocationally? And he started taking classes about, sorry, Scott, I'm just going to tell your story, bro. And so as he started taking these classes, he started to have this hunger about, there's got to be something more. And God, I want to do what you want me to do. That was the prayer of his heart. It wasn't like, well, I think maybe I should become a pastor. That kind of be a good thing to do. It was God was doing that in his heart, and he was saying, here are all the cards out on the table. God, what do you want me to do? And through that investigation and through the looking at God, what do you want me to do? It was very clear that God said, Scott, I want you full time to serve me. I want you to serve me and trust me. And his bent and his passion is he wants you, he wants us to see the the church of Jesus Christ growing in our faith, to really be disciples and followers of Jesus. That is where he's at. We make such a good team because my bent is, I want everybody, everybody to be saved. When I look at people, I see lost or saved, lost or saved, lost or saved, and I just want to love people. He has that same passion, but his drive is once they're saved, we got to help people grow. If we just had me on staff, we'd just have a bunch of people, but nobody would grow. Does that make sense? So God puts a regular guy, Scott's just a regular guy like us, and God called him to full-time service. He is now living for the kingdom. It's not a job. He's not doing it for the money. He's not doing it for the status. Let me introduce you to somebody else named Becky. Becky is our family life pastor. She helps run our family life and children's department here. She's just phenomenally gifted. But when I look at Becky, I think, well, she just always was gifted. She was always called. She came out of the womb perfect. She came out of the womb just ready to serve God. She was at Saddleback Church for 20 years, one of their children's pastors there, serving for 20 years at Saddleback Church. We had an opportunity to meet her and hear her story. And her story is that she grew up in the church very similar to Scott. And as she grew up in church, she just had this passion for children. She was a teacher in the secular world, in a secular grade school, And so she volunteered at her church at Mission Hills to be a children's ministry servant. And she did that. She started to catch the vision for doing this full time. And maybe, God, you're calling me to quit my job and do this. Regardless of whether she quit her secular job or she worked into full time ministry, she still is kingdom living. Are you with me? We are all kingdom people living in the kingdom of God, bringing a little bit of heaven on earth. She just now gets to do it full time. She went on a one-day trip. Catch this. She went on a one-day trip to Mexico to an orphanage, took an entire Saturday, and because she just caught this vision for children who were so lost, she said, Lord, where do you want me now? And it was so crystal clear that God said, Becky, I want you full time to serve me in my kingdom. And the life story, her life vision is this. She wants to take people from I can't do that to I can with God. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, let me share with you um, another member of our team, uh, Pastor Zach. Pastor Zach is uh, our youth pastor from junior high all the way to young adults. He's got a big responsibility and a big task. Because you know as well as I do, our youth culture is slowly, slowly moving their way back to God and to church life. Are you, do you agree? With so many things working against our youth culture, it's, it's, it, it pains me. It, it, it just, it, it, it's, it's, it's this burden that we have here. So we've got to have 
a full-time person in ministry to vote full-time to raising up leaders and to help our youth culture to find Jesus and to grow in Jesus. Are you with me? So Zach grows up in a Christian home, like maybe some of you. Christian home, his father's a pastor. Now catch this, to show you my age, I'm only 36 years old, but I went to school with his dad. We went in ministry school together. So we're looking for a youth pastor. It was during COVID. He, we didn't even have, serv- we had services, remember, outside? And we were interviewing people online. We had all these Zoom calls. We interviewed six or seven guys. And, and I remember um, Pastor Brian and Scott said, we think we got the guy, but we need you to watch this video. So we watched this video. We talked with Pastor Zach online, and we just, things started clicking. You know when you just know, it's like when you're dating somebody. You just, that chemistry's there. They believe all the same stuff. We're in unity. It just seems like this is humming. This is happening interesting story about Zach is that as he grew up in a Christian home with a father who was a pastor, he went to church, loved the Lord, gave his heart to Jesus Christ because that's what he wanted to do at about age 14. But he started hearing testimonies in the church about people who came to Jesus from drug and alcohol addiction. And he started thinking, gosh, you know what? I'm kind of bored here because I grew up with church all my life and I never really went into the world. So he started dabbling into drug and alcohol. By the way, I asked him if I could share the story, and he says, totally fine. So he was into just the world. He totally left the Lord, totally living a reckless life, left Jesus and left the church, and people were calling him from church. It wasn't like the church ignored him. They were like, Zach, come back. What are you doing, man? Don't wreck your life. And They were constantly calling him back. This is what he told me. He said, I appreciated everybody that called me and continued to love me and didn't reject me, but this is what made the difference. My parents, my grandparents, people I didn't know at the time were praying for me. He's driving down the 405 freeway, so convicted about, I need to just give my life back to Jesus Christ. Literally stops off the side of the freeway in his car, surrenders his life back to Jesus Christ, and in that moment, God was calling him to serve. Now, Zach, I have something for you, bro. I have you exactly where I want you, is the, in other words, where God had Zach in that moment. Now, I want you to serve me full-time, man. This is full-time stuff, and I'm going to be with you. I am going to work through you, and, and I will not leave you. And he heard kind of God working in that moment. Now he is full-time service. I want you to see this, to God's kingdom. It's, it's not a job. It's, it's not like, well, this would be a nice thing to do. There's nothing else I could do, so I guess I'll be a pastor. It's not, I'll just get online and get a certificate, and I'll do weddings and funerals. It's not like that. It's not religious. It's not religion. It's a calling. It's a pull. But I want you to see that we are just like you. We, 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 some of us didn't grow up with any religion, no God. We, didn't, we grew up with struggling with drugs and alcohol and lust and all the stuff in the world. And we just, Jesus got a hold of us. And then we heard his voice about, not only have I saved you, not only am I sanctifying you and making you more life, but I want you to do this full time. Now, the difference between these folks that I just mentioned, and you already know my story a hundred times, so I'm not going to, oh my gosh, I forgot, Pastor Robert. Pastor Robert's story. He's new, this is a new guy on the team here. I love Pastor Robert's story. 37 years old, just living his life for him. Didn't grow up with church, didn't grow up with God. He meets this wonderful woman named Danette. They start dating. But Danette has Christian background in her college age years. She says, Robert, I think we should go to church. He says, yeah, well, I'll get a little religion today. So he goes to church. Here's the gospel of Jesus Christ, accepts Christ. And here's what his pastor says to him. He says, Robert, now that you're saved, you need to serve. You need to serve. Because if you just sit 
You're going to grow old and die in the pew, and you're just going to go to heaven. You've got to do something with your life. So he listened to his pastor. He started getting involved. Do you remember a thing called Awanas? It's a children's program in midweek for kids, and they would come to the church. My kids went to his program when my kids were like seven and eight years old. Went to Robert's program. That shows you how old he is. So Robert not only starts serving God in Awanas, but he sees all these teenagers running around. He says, these teenagers are lost, man. We got to do something. So he starts volunteering in the teen ministry, student ministries. The youth pastor had left, went to some other ministry in the church that he was at. And so the elder said, hey, bro, we need you to take the youth ministry department, junior high and high school. And he says, yeah, I'll do it. Meanwhile, he's working at Polly's Pies right over here on El Toro Road. As the manager, he knows how to work with people, he knows how to do money, he knows how to manage people, work with the public, senior citizens that come into that place because that's the culture over there. I want my pie. And he's just so nice and kind and loving to everybody. That's just Robert. During that time, he's saying, Lord, I just sense that there's something more that you want from me. Long story short is we connected with Robert because at the time we were looking for a connections pastor here. It's on our heart when people visit, when you invite someone here, when you invite your friends and family, by the way, we're all in that. I invite people in my life to this place because I believe in God and I believe in you. They're going to get loved here. But, but it pains my heart when people visit the church and fill out a card and then no one calls them back or they just kind of fall through the crack or what happened to so-and-so, we don't know. We said, we got to hire somebody just to make sure that people are connected in because we want people to go from level to level to level to grow in their relationship with Jesus where that's where Scott comes in. You see how all the pieces of the puzzle fit together? I know this is taking a, a while, but this is so important to where I want to get to in Luke chapter 13. He is a kingdom servant. It's not a job. Robert's not doing this for the money. He made more money at Polly's Pies. But he's doing this because it's a calling. He's doing this because God says, I want you to do this. I am pulling, tugging on your heart. I have something more for you, Robert. He's just like you. If there's one thing I want you to, when you leave here today, what did God speak to my heart? I know he wants me to live a kingdom living life. But we're all just like one another. And now pastors and teachers and leaders who are just like you called out of the world to do this together our heart is that we want to equip you now to live for the kingdom. Does that make sense? Pastors are not the ones supposed to be running around doing all the work, setting up tables, making sure there's lighting, making sure we have instruments and, and team members on the worship team and making sure that the grounds are nice and making sure we have life groups and all these things. We're running around doing all this stuff. Oh my gosh, these pastors, they're going to burn out because they're working so hard. They're doing everything themselves. That's unhealthy leadership. Healthy leadership is we do the work, but then we pass it on, and you get the joy of doing what we do together. And if there's anyone here today, you're just dead in your job, dead in your life, but you love the Lord with all your heart, I would ask you to ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? What is there for me, God, for you? It might just be that he's calling you to full time. We're just like you. Todd, we're just like you, man. Omar, we're just like you. I mean that sincerely from the heart. And so every week when we get up here and do this, it's not just for a show. It's not, it's not for just we, just, we just are doing something. We want God to meet you and you to meet God in such a powerful way that there's teaching, there's life change for kingdom living. We've got a lost and dying world. Our country, our nation, we are in trouble. Would you agree? We are in massive trouble. A spiritual void is in our nation so far 
that I have ever seen since I've been living on earth. I've never seen things this bad where there is not just a tolerance to God and to the church. There is an opposition now against God and against the church. And it's only going to get worse. And the ones that are truly living for the kingdom are the ones that will stand to the very end. My prayer is that all of us are standing till the end. So I want you to come with me to this 13th chapter, this 13th chapter of Luke where Jesus is making it. This is so critical. Jesus is in about the last four and a half months of his earthly life. He's been with the disciples for about two and a half years, teaching them, training them, pouring into their life, loving them, empowering them to feed the 5,000. You guys do the miracles. I've done it, now you do it. I'm gonna watch you. Pretty soon I'm gonna resurrect from the dead. I'm gonna leave this earth, and now I'm gonna leave this whole program to you guys. They can't even tie their sandals right. They're numb nuts. They can't even fish correctly. But God is gonna leave the whole program to them? Yes, because he said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, and I will give you the helper. I will give you the power of the Holy Spirit. And all I want you to do is be my witnesses, man. Tell people how one, tell people I am risen from the dead. I can change life. These are the guys that he's speaking to now. It's so critical. This is game time right now. Jesus is leaving this world. He's going to the cross. He's going to rise from the dead. The whole thing is going to change now. And there's a question that comes up in the midst of this discourse between followers of Jesus, Jewish people, and there's some Gentile people. Are you with me? All right, let's read chapter 13, starting verse 22. Jesus went through the towns as he's making his way, villages teaching as he went, always pressing on toward Jerusalem. Very key here. He is on mission. Jesus got to get to Jerusalem. We've got to get there because that's where humanity is going to be saved. I'm going to die on the cross. They're going to beat me. They're going to torture me. I am going to die. Lay down my life for you. It's so critical that the 12 disciples are with him. We are on mission with you, Jesus. And they are. Someone asked him, Lord, listen to this question. Will only a few be saved? I I think that question came up, if I could just pause here for a second, because Jesus talked about kingdom living. He talked about a different way of life. He wasn't talking about just going to the synagogue and just doing the rules. He's talking about our whole life is now following me. Everything about you is about me now. And so, so there are th- well, that means, gosh, there's only a few that can be, maybe only the disciples, maybe only the pastors will be saved because they do this full time. We, we maybe had thoughts like that, haven't we? I certainly have. He replied, verse 24, work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom for many will try to enter but fail. We'll explain that in just a second. When the master of the house has locked it, locked the door, it will be too late. You will stand outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you came from. Then you will say, but we ate and drank with you. We came to church. We sang the songs. We came to fall fest. And you taught in our streets. We knew of you, but we didn't know you. Do you see what's happening here? Let's continue on. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't know you or where you come from. 
Get away from me, all who do evil. Now remember, he's talking somewhat to the hypocrites, that context, the people that are intentionally living one way and saying something else. And that's why Jesus is very matter-of-fact with them. Now verse 28, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We don't want anyone to go there. That's a lost state. That's, that's eternity lost in hell for those who reject Jesus Christ. For you will see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God but you will be thrown out. You knew the prophets. You knew the scriptures. You knew the Old Testament. And you did not recognize me as the Messiah, is what he's saying. All right, let's just stop here for a second. What is happening? There are two things, justification and sanctification. Jesus is making it very clear that the door is wide open. In fact, there's three points here that I see out of this text. The door is open, but it's narrow. We'll get to that in a second. If we could just put this up on the screen if you're taking some notes. The door is open, but it's narrow. The door is open, watch this, to everyone. Even though it's narrow, everybody's welcome into the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Okay, all right, all right. The door will not stay open forever. I know that's tough. I know that's not popular. It's not a feel-good message, and I'm not interested in making me or anyone else feel good. I'm interested in truth, baby. I'm interested in God. Give us the truth and give us how to live this. Now, two words, justification and sanctification. There is definitely a salvation door that is open, as we saw, to everyone. Everyone's welcome into the kingdom. That means you are justified. When you receive Christ as your Savior, you say, yes, I want Jesus Christ. I repent of my sins. I am doing business with you, God. I made a mess of my life. Receive me, God. I want you. I receive you. I want to be saved. You are justified. Justified, that Greek rendering there is just as if I never sinned. Jesus sees you. He sees you as if you never sinned. It's perfect. That's crazy to me. It doesn't make sense. It does not make sense to me that God would look at me in my state when I know. I know who I am. Look, I don't need to come to church to hear I'm a sinner all the time. I know I'm a sinner. I still fall back. There's temptation. Are we agreed? What I need to hear and be reminded of is God chooses to see me, 2 Corinthians 5.21, just as if I've never sinned before him. I'll tell you what. If that doesn't get your heart moving, if that doesn't get your mind in a place where, man, I want to be all in with Jesus Christ. I'm dropping my petty attitudes. I'm dropping all my preconceived ideas. I'm dropping all about me. Now it's all about you, Jesus, because you've been so good to me. Justified, just as if I never sinned. Pastor Zach, in the message last week, by the way, you'd be proud of me, man. I watched your message twice. He said something that was profound to me. Most Christians don't know that they're saved. We get into this mode of religion where, yeah, I know I got saved, but then I slipped back into the world or I had a bad year or I kind of fell away or I've just been struggling with stuff, so now I don't really know if I would be saved. You have to know from the word you are saved, not because of you, not because of your good works, not because of anything you've done, only by grace you have been saved, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. I just feel like it's important that we revisit, we reconnect with that again. Because if we do not understand that, we will not understand the next word, which is sanctification. The process, the process now of becoming more like Jesus. Why do you go to church service? Why do you go to life group? Why would you go to next steps? Why would you go to fall fest? Why do you take time to serve a neighbor and invite them to church? Why do you serve in children's ministry and youth ministry? Why do you get involved with young at heart ministry? Why are you doing all these things? Well, because I want to make sure I'm in heaven. No! I'm going to heaven. I'm so grateful and I'm serving the kingdom because we imitate the king. 
I was doing a wedding last week, performing. Every time I get to perform a wedding, our pastors know it's a privilege. It is a privilege to stand before two people who are going to devote their life together. Uh, There is one thing I wish I could say at weddings, though. One is this. This is the best you're ever going to (laughs) look. Second is, I wish we could make the contract like a Verizon contract, because you can never get out of this thing, right? (laughs) That's the way it should be. When they're making that covenant decision... They're making that decision that I will honor, I will cherish, I will protect you, I will love you, I I will serve you. And I always tell the husbands, look, you're the go first, man. You want a happy marriage? You go first. You serve her first. And what happens is she will then run to serve you. And that's where passion and love and excitement and fun happens in marriage. That is the sanctification process. You're already married. Now he wants you to be more like Jesus in your marriage. And if you're thinking, gosh, I just can't wait to get married someday, hold on. It'll happen, and it's great, but if it happens with, you want it to happen with God in the center because the picture of marriage is the perfect picture of God in you. It's the perfect picture of God in you. He loves you just like a husband painstakingly loves his wife. One guy said to me a long time ago, he says, marriage is like a slow crucifixion. Well, my wife's always beating me down. She's always like discouraging me. She never does anything right. And she just, she just never tells me I'm good. Well, you wanted to be like Jesus, didn't you? That's what I want to say to some guys in marriage counseling, right? And not to mention, you know, it's not always that way. I get it. But what I'm saying is this. There's a sanctification that happens. And I want to say this. The door is wide open. Wide open. Salvation. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And I don't say that sheepishly or shyly or we don't want to really turn people away and we want visitors to come. Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. Acts 4.12, it says this, there is no other name given to men by which we must be saved. The apostle Paul, the apostle Peter, Bartholomew, James and John, all the rest of them believed this so strongly that they gave their whole life. They were not clergy. They were not paid pastors. They did it because they loved God. Kingdom thinking, kingdom living. Here, here's what Peter said in Acts 2, 22 to 40, uh, uh, 24, in the very first sermon after Jesus had already died and resurrected. People of Israel, listen! Exclamation point. God publicly endorsed Jesus, the Nazarene, by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him. And as you well know, but God knew what would happen when this prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep its grip on Jesus. And of course, you know the rest of the chapter if you're a Christ follower. 3,000 people get saved. People get baptized. There are hours and days of waiting for people to get saved. Wouldn't that be great? If we saw this massive revival that happened in South County, well, it can't happen in South County because people are just kind of into themselves and they got lots of money and they're too distracted. It's a perfect breeding ground for a revival to happen. We are so godless as a nation. We are so godless as a people. We need you, God. Pastors, we need God again. Leaders, we need God again in our heart. Well, I already know Jesus. Really? How much do we really know Jesus? I'm asking us to go deeper. I'm asking us to go further with Jesus Christ. 
and kingdom living. If Jesus said, do it, if he said, you give your money to the, if you give your money to the poor, uh, I want you to give your money to the poor, I want you to support the kingdom work, I don't want you to taking trips and doing all these things and spending all your money and then giving me leftover, aren't I enough? Aren't I number one in your life? When, when pastors are saying, we want you in a life group, it's because we passionately believe that's where you're gonna grow. We, we want you to come along with us. We're just like you. We're just like, we struggle with the very same thing that you struggle with. We have temptation just like you do. We're all in this thing together. Amen? Amen. The way is narrow, but memory said, it's hard. What did he mean? He was really saying, I want you to t- earnestly seek that door. He was not saying he's trying to make it hard for everybody to get in. I want you to earnestly seek me. Whatever it takes, here's how I see this in what Jesus is. Whatever it takes, you come through the door. If you have to drop things, if you have to add, whatever you need to do, just come to Jesus Christ. Some of us here today need to give our life to Jesus Christ. We've been going to church all our life, but we've never received Jesus. Or we've come to church a little while, but we've never really received him in our heart. And you can do that right now. You can just give your life to Jesus Christ. And I know what Jesus is saying here is it's not popular to say narrow is the gate. Are you really saying that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven? Yes. Yeah. By the way, I didn't say that. You're going to have to take that up with him. That's what he said. Right? Now, we just got to wrap this up. I have a whole other sermon here written, but I don't have time. Let's just wrap this up by saying this. Some people get real twisted up about that. You got some people in your life, family, and family. Are you saying that Hindus and, and Mormons and, and Jehovah's Witnesses and um, Muslim people, are you, what are, here's what I'm saying. You have to look at it from God's perspective. God's perspective, he didn't owe us anything. Right? We knew, we, we rebelled, we've all been sinners. We've all rebelled against God. God is under no obligation to save Mike Myola. He doesn't owe me anything. I rebelled against him. When I was sitting there on a Wednesday night in a room this size with 300 other high school students, I didn't know I was a sinner until somebody preached the word. And I thought, I'm a sinner. Dude, all the things I was doing, oh my gosh, I've wrecked my life. God's not pleased with me, but he loves me. I gave my heart to Jesus that night. That conviction that comes, we are lost and we need to be saved. God is so gracious that he gave us the way. He didn't have to. So he's not saying, look, I'm giving you the way, and just, just to make it even playing field, I hope nobody else comes. I hope only just a few come. No. 2 Peter 3.9, God wants all people, all people to repent and come to the good news. That means God is all-inclusive, everybody, black, white, brown, yellow, rich, poor, the religious, not religious, Muslim, Hindu, whatever we are. If you're just a stinking old pagan like I was, I didn't have any religion. I just need Jesus, man. My life was spinning out of control. I needed Jesus in my life. The problem is we got too many options. Too many options in our world makes it confusing. And that's exactly what Satan wants to do. Cherry Coke, Diet Coke, Vanilla Coke, Caffeine Free. I can't even go to, 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 to Subway without, there's 18 different Cokes. It's crazy. Hamburgers, you can go to In-N-Out, you can go to Chick-fil-A, you can go to Wendy's, Carl's, Five Guys. We got too many choices. Chevy, Dodge, Toyota, Nissan, Kia. There's a time for narrow-mindedness where it's a virtue. Imagine yourself on an airplane sitting down next to somebody and strikes up a conversation and says, so what do you do for work? Oh, well, I, you know, I, I serve at Missionville Christian Church. Yeah, but what do you do for work? Well, that's, what I, that's the passion of my life. I ser- oh, so you're a Christian. Oh, yeah. Here's what I believe about God. You know what I want to tell you about God? And you just go, 
man, I just really want to get some sleep on this plane. And so you're just nap, 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 nap. I believe there are many roads to God. As long as we follow some way, we'll all end up in the same place. That's wonderful. And you go to sleep. As the airplane is making its descent, you hear the pilot on the intercom say, we are making our descent, 25 miles. We'll be there shortly. And you lean over to the guy next to you or the person next to you, the woman next to you, and you say, I'm so glad that this pilot doesn't subscribe to your theology. There are many ways into the airport. There are many ways that we can land this plane. Now we're all going to end up in the same place. No, there's a guy in the control tower, 30 by 30 degrees west, north by west. You're on beam. You're on beam. Make the landing. Right? Agreed? There's someone in the control tower who's given us the way. Jesus is the way. In the last part of this section, we just read this quickly and then we'll be done. Verses 30 through 35. Uh, 31 to 35, I'm sorry. At that time, some Pharisees said to him, get away from here if you want to live. Herod Antipas wants to kill you. Jesus replied, you go tell that fox, I will keep on casting out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And the third day, I will accomplish my purpose. 33. Yes, today, tomorrow, and the next day I must proceed on my way, for it wouldn't do for you a prophet of God to be killed except in Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, here's where Jesus' heart is. Watch this. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you would not let me. And now look, your house is abandoned. I will be leaving one day, as Jesus is saying, and you will never see me again until... You say blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. When he comes into Jerusalem for his final descent, they're going to say Hosanna, but then three days later, they're going to say crucify him. It's breaking Jesus' heart. I want you to see that and to end with this. If all of this that we've learned today about God, my heart is hopeful that your heart has been moved. You've been challenged uh, with the word to do something now. What is doing something? Living for the kingdom principles. Living Jesus said it, I'll do it. Forgive, patience, do right, love justly, love mercy. All those qualities of Jesus. Jesus' heart was that he looked over the city of Jerusalem. And we're going to see later in the 17th chapter, Jesus literally wept over the people that were so lost. He came for the Israelites first and they rejected him. How sad. Jesus' heart is sad. His heart is broken. Here's the question I have for lost people in our world. Is your heart breaking? I mean, really sad because someone's going to be separated from God the moment they leave this earth. Well, my wife and I will just finish with this. We were in a youth ministry. I was, we were working with junior high school students and we took students to camp it was a summer camp. We took him, and there was this one kid that came. I don't know. There may be about 15, 16 kids. And Pastor Zach, you'll identify with this. There was one kid that came. He was a visiting kid. I was so excited because one of the kids brought his friend who's a non-Christian. I said, great, this is what it's all about, bringing people. And the kid's name was Bobby. And can I just, Bobby was an irritant. He was like a little rock in the bottom of your shoe. Just asking, have you seen the movie Home Alone? The kid in the movie that gets in the vans as the family's leaving for the airport, you know, go on the trip to France. And he's like, does this van get good gas mileage? Is this four-wheel drive? When are we going to get there? He's like that kid. He's always asking questions, just irritating. After about the third day, I said, Laura, this kid is killing me. What are we going to do? Laura invites her friend, Michelle, her longtime high school friend. She wasn't even saved. She comes along with us just to go on this camp. 
And she's watching all this. And finally, we were going somewhere to the end of the river to do this trip down the river on these inner tubes. And Bobby was in my car. So halfway there, I asked the person who was in front of me, who Michelle and Laura were in the front, and one of our leaders was driving. I said, stop the car. Bobby, get out. Get out. Get in the other car. Get in the other car. I mean, I didn't say it like that, but I said it, well, I guess kind of like that. And so Bobby gets out, and he gets into the car in front of us. And he gets this, we're doing some activity or something. This ant crawls in his ear. And he's panicking. I'm going somewhere with this. Stay with me with this. We take him to the doctor, to the urgent care. The doctor takes him into the room and does this procedure. He comes out, he's like all happy, and he's asking questions and talking and irritating me once again. That night is decision night. We want the kids to have opportunity to receive Jesus. Bobby gives his life to Jesus Christ. Watch this. When we asked him, Bobby, what was it, man? He said, when I was sitting there in the doctor's office, and he's a junior high school kid, and he sticked this little tube in my ear, and I said, how did you get that ant out? He said, I just put the light there, and the ant followed the light. Something happened where he heard the message for the three days of the gospel, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Not only that, but Michelle, my wife's friend, high school friend, was watching Laura the entire time. Pastor Mike didn't do such a good job of being Jesus to this kid. I wasn't doing kingdom living because I was irritated with him. But Laura was constantly patient and loving and just so kind to this kid. Michelle's watching all this, and I didn't even know. Michelle gives her life to Jesus Christ that night with Bobby. She's like 23 years old. She finds a Christian guy. They live in Oregon. They have Christian kids. They fully go to church. They love Jesus. They're kingdom living people because they saw somebody who lived the kingdom. They saw somebody who lived the kingdom. And that's what we want you to do here. Some action points, real crystal for us here, crystal clear. Jesus is clearly talking about our own personal salvation. Make the choice now to receive him now. Today is a salvation now. Now is the day you can be saved. If you want to do that, we want to help you with that. Let your heart break for those who are lost by intentionally interacting with them. Can I just say this? You have to be with non-Christian people so they can see you. So they can see Jesus. Don't disassociate from all your non-Christian friends. Don't keep doing what you used to do, but now you're not doing what you used to do, but you're doing with them different things, kingdom living, and they see Jesus. Make sense? Pray and watch for opportunities to share your faith story. Father, I thank you that you're so right, you're so pure, you're so awesome, God, that you would lay your life down, not only so we could be justified, but God, thank you for the process of making us more like you. And God, at the end of the day, at Mission Vale Christian Church, Our desire, God, is we just want to be kingdom-living people. We want people to see heaven on earth. We just want to do what you told us to do, God. And even in this moment of communion, we want to do what you told us to do, and you told us, do this in remembrance of me. That's what we do. Because we love you, God. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, and there are some communion elements in the front seat back of your chair. And I just want to ask you in this quiet moment, some music is going to play, and we just want to give you a few silent moments to reflect and remember Jesus. The bread represents his body that was beaten for us and crucified, but yet on the third day, he rose again. The juice is just a remembrance of the blood. The blood means you are forgiven. And so I just encourage you to take some moments just to relish in that and remember him as we close in worship. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.